Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Heat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale, and this week, my guest is Nick Pascal. The Pascal name, you know it. Pascal's Wines and Liquors out in Fayetteville, Pascal's Liquors in Liverpool, Pascal's Liquor Square on Erie Boulevard in Syracuse. Um, you've seen their billboards all over town. I got connected with them a couple months ago. Uh, you know, if you follow our content online, we I had a bar built here at the studio and put a little backdrop up and some pictures, and we've been doing cocktail content. And why? Well, I really started to get into the world of spirits and alcohol and cocktails and mixology um, because I, I became a partner, so to speak, at the at a bar in town out of Abbott's in Baldwinsville. And so for the, this past summer and fall, I was running their bar program out there, and it was a lot of fun. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, being in that side of the industry and seeing um, what customers buy, what they're drawn to, what they're attracted to, was really interesting. Um, you know, a lot of things that I learned out there. I, I, I bought a lot of craft beer to have out there. I kind of had in my head, all right, you know, Maybe if we become like a craft beer can destination for people to come get four packs to go and stuff, that'd be really cool. So I had at one point I had 20 different beers from like 14 different breweries out there and nobody cared. <laughs> Not one person cared about that whatsoever. Um, uh, yeah. And so, and, and even that with wine, like I thought we would sell a lot of wine. I was like, okay, I'll bring in six different wines. We'll bring in some different reds and different whites. And what I learned was people only drink Chardonnay and Riesling. Um, and then bringing in a bunch of different cocktails. I, what I also learned is people buy the crazy stuff. that <laughs> takes forever to make. So anyways, I've just really been getting into the world of alcohol and spirits this year. And so uh, had the bar put in, connected with Nick, and they've graciously sponsored some of our cocktail videos that we've been putting out. And uh, and I immediately fell, uh, I'm sure not as aggressively as some, but I've immediately fallen into the trap of the world of bourbon. And uh, it's actually been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. Um, there's some wild products out there, and, and it's, it's, it's really interesting to me just to think of uh, this entire, I don't know, just this entire, you know, even though I've used this word five times already, this entire world of bourbon and spirits. And to see, like, you know, the, the hard-to-get stuff and how people, you know, just uh, the whole thing is just very interesting to me. So anyways, uh, having said that, I had Nick on. Great time talking with him. We try a couple bourbons here on during the podcast and talk about them, but talking to Nick about secondary market and just the world of distilling and, and how brands, you know, just the whole thing. I had a blast talking with him. Uh, I want to have him in again because there's probably another two hours worth of content that, you know, questions that I have to ask him about the world of spirits and running liquor stores and the whole thing. So anyways, uh, before we jump into the podcast, make sure you head over to our website, eatlocalnewyork.com, pick up an Eat Local New York card, it's $25. You save $5 every time you go out to eat at a local restaurant that accepts the card. There's a lot of them. It's an awesome deal. Go buy it now, and we give 20% of all those sales to the United Way of Central New York. So go pick up an Eat Local card at our website. Helps us continue what we're doing and do awesome things like this podcast. Without further ado, let's get into this week's conversation. It's a podcast conversation I had with Nick Pascal. family owns Pascal's Wines and Liquors in Fayetteville, uh, Pascal's Liquors in Liverpool, and your uncle. My uncle Chuck at Pascal's Liquor Square on Area Boulevard. Yeah. So how long have you all been in the liquor store business? Uh, before I was around. I think my grandmother and father and uncle, um, my grandmother was working at a liquor store in Liverpool in the 70s. 
Um, shortly after that, they bought that liquor store, and we've moved kind of down the block of Route 57 over the past 40, 50 years. Okay. And now in our current location, we've been there almost 20 years. So for 40-plus wow. years, we've been in the liquor industry. How long have you been involved with it? Uh, I've always been involved to some aspect growing up. Um, I really started in the restaurants. Uh, first job, valet parking. That was fun. <laughs> I didn't even know how to drive stick, and we had some pretty cool cars come in. What was that like? Uh, it's scary. I remember running inside and grabbing my dad. Hey, Dad, you got to come park this car. There's no way I'm touching that. <laughs> he gets in, and he tells me it wasn't stick. It was automatic. I'm like, oh, well, I probably could have done it then. Um, I mean, I did it all. Uh, main, yeah. The main gig growing up was restaurants, catering, and liquor. I probably started managing our Liverpool store about four or five years ago. Okay. I was always involved in some aspects, stocking shelves, cashier. Started to gain interest in it as you know time progressed, but really like knee deep four four years ago, I'd say. Yeah. Hmm. What's um, is it true? Is it like the for when it comes to valet parking, is the joy riding is real and oh there was no joy riding i was like <laughs> holding on for dear life don't hit anything in the in the parking garage yeah um but there were some cool cars yeah but yeah no i didn't i didn't take them out anywhere fun <laughs> no. so uh, you know I, I we just started we connected well i think i don't know if it was you or, or who but back when you all had the restaurant i think it was like the first year of us having the card uh the restaurant was part of it and um and then I started seeing, learning more about you guys besides just hitting up. I would always go to the Erie Boulevard store. But mm-hmm. um, besides hitting that up, I started, started to see your stuff when you were putting out, like, more content and whatnot. Uh, and then recently now you guys are connected with us in some of the videos, which is awesome. But I've, I'm sure a lot of people do the same thing, have started to get into, like, the world of bourbon mm-hmm. and, you know, found that it's a black hole of information. Very much so. Yeah. When did when did that really? Because that's correct me if I'm wrong. The like this surge in bourbon really hit in the past like three or four years. Is that correct? Um. Yeah, I'd say so. Um. And for me, I guess the more I got involved with the liquor stores, I started managing in Liverpool three four years ago. Is kind of when I always used to drink whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um. My roommate said there was like four or five of us in a house. One of us would bring home a bottle of whiskey or scotch, Irish whiskey, whatever it was. Mm you know, every few days and we would drink it, but I really wasn't knee deep into learning about it, educating and, you know, tasting it. Um, that really took off, I'd say two, three years ago. Um, kind of right around the time when the bourbon boom, you know, really blew up, Hmm. um, where there's been inflated prices. I mean, the, the secondary market and, uh, a typical bottle of Buffalo Trace that we have here you could find on the shelf at any liquor store is, um, you know, you got to know someone now or yeah. you have to pay double what you should. And I think that's all really blown up in the past year, two years, and the power of marketing and advertising behind these big companies has definitely played a role in that, and, yeah. and they know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah because you guys – I mean, I haven't seen that on the shelf the past in the past month since I've been going in, and now all of a sudden you post it. Uh, literally uh, this morning we got a drop. Before we used to, you know, before they used to beg us to order it. Mm-hmm. Um, Blanton's. I have a picture on my phone from six years ago. Uh, a whole display of cases of Blanton's Buffalo Trace Eagle Rare for forty dollars. <laughs> um, they were they would literally beg for us to buy it. Now I don't know when it comes. I found out yesterday. We got three cases coming tomorrow. Do you want it tomorrow or do you want it next week? And, of course, we'll take everything and anything we can get, ship wow. it ASAP. Hmm. And I might not get an opportunity to buy it again for it's October now. Hopefully we get another drop before Christmas. Wow. Um, quarterly, there's no rhyme or reason. I wish I customers come in and say, when are you going to get it? Why don't you have it? I said, you know just as much as I do at this point. <laughs> I'm waiting for that email or text from my sales rep. Um, that's crazy. Right when you think you know when it's coming, they, yeah. they change it. <laughs> so I, your guess is as good as mine. That's what insane. I say. Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's you know part of this. I wanted to kind of go through and, and taste some of this with you and sure. see. So let's. I, I never say no to a taste yeah. of whiskey, my friend. I brought my other Pascal's glass home that you gave me, so I'm going to give you that one. I like it. I'm familiar with that. 
as this is the one I got from Maker's Mark when we were in Kentucky. I I have one of those at home. I actually that's one of my favorites. Is it? I can't find how to buy it and got my logo on it. So until then, <laughs> we use those. Does it really matter? I may have given you a heavy pour. Oh, that's all right. I had lunch today. Um, the, does the glass matter? Some people will say yes for for nosing for yeah. nosing purposes, um, and some people will say more so for scotch. But hmm. I I use a different glass every night, really, and something in this general size and you know with the, with the cup, so you can really it holds the aromas in. Yeah. But if I pour it out of a rocks glass or drink it out of a rocks glass, I'm yeah. It tastes. Still tastes good to me. Right. Cheers, man. Cheers. Little Buffalo Trace. What a treat. See, I like... This is a 90 proof. And I don't understand... Like, I understand the, you know, the, the difference in proofs. I personally am not a huge fan of the higher proof stuff because you have to get through so much of it to really start to taste it. And I'm like, that's why I like the, that Eagle Rare. That's a 90 proof as well. Some people are high proof, you know, only. I got one customer. If it's below 120 proof, he's not interested. Holy crap. Um, everyone's different. And yeah. some people think it's kind of macho and manly to drink 130, 40 proof whiskey. <laughs> um, neat with no ice, no water. Sure, there might be pleasure in that for some. Yeah. Um, for me... I, my sweet spot's 100, 110, somewhere in there. Okay. Still drinkable, still approachable. You definitely, the more you drink whiskey, you know, the, I don't see more you get a tolerance for it, but, well, exactly that. Yeah. Um, because it definitely, you know, you're kind of like training your palate in a sense to, yeah. how do I get past the burn of the alcohol? Feel it coming down, they call that the Kentucky hug, <laughs> um, which with this, I find to be pretty mellow and, you know, you can taste it, which is quite enjoyable. Right. Um, we tasted some Old Forester yesterday, 130 proof. Hmm. And I, you know, I'm happy to put water in. It really opens up the aromas. One mellows out the alcohol a little bit, and you can really get the full flavor. Yeah. Some people would disagree and say, you're ruining it. But hmm. at the end of the day, I say, drink whiskey yeah. the way you want to drink whiskey. Yeah. That's how it's going to be enjoyed. For sure. Have, um, have you ever tried using the... Um those bottles of like the Kentucky limestone water that they sell. I have not. We have good water here. Yeah, we do. Sure. Um, but yeah. that's that's what their that's their thing in Kentucky is the yeah. limestone water, and it probably does make a difference. But yeah. I'm I'm not there yet. Yeah. So you know, like you're talking about different the different proofs, and obviously there's an intention when they're putting out a bottle of those, right? I mean. Um, well, I guess I was just about to say, I guess the, the shorter, well, what's the age on Buffalo Trace? Is it just a standard Probably four, four to six years, okay. give or take. It's a blend. Yeah. Um, and the, the more you proof it down, the more whiskey you got. Yeah. So like this is their, I would say every day, but you can't find this yeah. every day. So they want to pr produce as much as they can, have a higher yield. If this was 110 proof, they'd have way less. And yeah. Uh, that means less to sell. Yeah. So um, hmm. I don't want to say more of the entry. Well, yeah, more of the entry levels are more. There's not many 80 proofs on the shelf. Really? Um, a few. But really, 90 proofs kind of where you'll see a lot of them, 94. I think Makers is 92, somewhere hmm. in there. Okay. Um, and that's a real, I mean, that, that's a great proof. It's yeah. easy to drink neat or it can stand up to a cocktail. Hmm. Um, some of the 80 proofs, uh, nothing against them. I just... Those you can enjoy like this, but in a in your classic cocktail, I think you're losing the the ump for the body of, of the whiskey when you're adding, you know, cherries, sweet vermouth, or whatever else you might be making. Yeah. Um, time and place for every whiskey and proof. Yeah. It's um, you know thinking about well thinking about just that, like the different proofs and and what the distilleries put out, and then talking about like your your sweet spot's like that 100, 110. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm wondering if, if you find the bourbon that you like or if you try everything because it's like, you know, the creator created, you know what I mean? Like, um, like when Buffalo Trace puts this out and or any of their other products, right? Because, you know, now mm -hmm. I've learned that they make just about everything. A lot. Um, 
they're putting something out at 90, they're putting something out at 110. Are they putting out the 90 proof Buffalo Trace for the 90 proof drinker and the, 100, the 110 for the 110 drinker? Or is it important in your mindset to try both so that way you can kind of almost like appreciating a piece of art, if that makes sense? I think both in that sense. Um, you know, Maker's Mark, for example, they do one mash bill. They have one recipe. That's all they do. It differentiates. Maker's Mark is the proofs and then what they, how they finish them. But the regular Maker's Mark is probably, you know, for an everyday, more approachable whiskey. And then their cast strength is, I don't want to say someone more experienced, but someone who's looking for whether it's a cocktail or they're looking for a bigger, bolder, spicier pour. Yeah. Um, in my tenure of drinking whiskey, I've definitely gone through stages where I wanted the high alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what it's about. And I definitely trained my palate to in, be able to enjoy 130 proof, neat, mm-hmm. you know, no water, no ice, and, and, and like it. Uh, I had one last night and, you know, it, it <laughs> kicked me in the, in the gut. And I, I threw a cube in it and I enjoyed it. And it really opened up as the cube melted. Um, but, you know, it's funny how... Yeah. You know, it kind of, it flows where right now, if you poured me a high proof, I would, I would need to proof it down. I'm just, my palate isn't trained for that today. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, two months into winter, we'll see. Yeah. You know, as I maybe potentially start to drink a little higher proof things, but I, I don't gravitate towards the higher alcohol just because. Right. Um, that I feel like some people do, but. Yeah. You've mentioned before, you know, about um, like Smoke Wagon and, you know, Buffalo Trace and, and everything they're doing out there. And that is about their marketing. I mean, what makes great marketing in your in your mind for a bourbon? Marketing before? gurus, both of them. Um, you know, Buffalo Trace has been around forever. And Smoke Wagon, on the other hand, has been here for three, four years. Hmm. Tops, not even. Three years, maybe. Yeah. Um, and he is the buzz of the bourbon community as much as you can be in terms of a new product, you know, in the bourbon wow. world. Um, how? Because he's a marketing guru. Um, and I say that all the time in the store. Yeah. His, from his bottle design to his message, he's a cowboy in Las Vegas with guns and horses <laughs> and uh, motorcycles. And that's his MO. He is on Instagram, social media all day, every day. Yeah. Um, just pounding his brand. Um, hmm. see this shirt, you can buy this on my merch, you know, website, yeah. da, 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 da. He's also doing good whiskey, which helps him, but it's his, his personality, his image. That's I think driving the brand right now. Hmm. He doesn't even distill it. He buys it from Indiana, gets it shipped to Las Vegas, blends it, bottles it in Vegas and whatever <laughs> he touches is gold. That's amazing. Um, which is a great idea. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. Um, it is good whiskey, but it's his marketing message that I think is really driving his brand. Buffalo Trace has a little bit of both of that, I think, in their uh, you know, back pocket where they have the brand. They've been around for a long time. You know, This whole allocated craze you can thank Buffalo Trace for, in my opinion, hmm. where you know, the fact that this is not on a shelf anymore, yeah. it's hard to get. Now I really want it. Right. I can't get it. I must have it. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a $30 bottle. Right. Um, at the end of the day, you can compare that, you know, next to Elijah Craig, which you can get at every liquor store, every bar around town, around the country. Um, people aren't going nuts for this. Mm-hmm. They are like they are for that. Um, hmm. The Van Winkle line really is what blew them up. And they've been in movies. They've been on podcasts. They've been... They've sprinkled just enough tidbits of advertising out there to catch the consumer's attention, and now it's hard to get, and that is just spiked, yeah. you know, spiked the consumer to, now I really want this. Yeah. Um, it was actually, I don't know if you follow Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. He started the, what I think of, I don't want to say the downfall, but the, the spiral of the allocated bourbons when he was quoted for St. Pappy Van Winkle, hmm. 15 was the best whiskey he's ever tasted. And from that point on, um, Van Winkle, Scott, you know, it's always been sought after. But I remember my first bottle I bought at Liquor Square. I was stocking shelves. It was on the shelf for 50 bucks. I think I was, I think I just turned 21. Hmm. Um, brought it home, enjoyed it, 
you know, $50 bottle of bourbon, didn't think too much of it. Yeah. Now you find a bottle of Van Winkle on the shelf for 50 bucks, it's a gold mine. Right. Um, and if you find a bottle on the shelf for fit, buy, buy me one too, <laughs> because that's a killer price. Um, so yeah. it's, it's crazy how the, it, you know, it, it's changed over the years and they've done a good job of marketing it that way. And yeah. it's worked to their advantage. Everyone wants Buffalo Trace now. It's, um, I've never been, I've never gotten really into <clears throat> spirits at all until recently. And I think over the last month and a half, I've probably spent, or two months, I've, I've most likely spent six or $700, probably more than that if, if I'm just thinking about the random stuff, um, you know, like the other spirits. But uh, it's dumb. I mean, it's not dumb, but it's dumb. You know, it, it really is. Like, I've don't get me wrong, like seeing Buffalo Trace, and I've listened to Joe Rogan ads for the mm-hmm. last three years about Buffalo Trace. The power of press, my friend. Yeah, for sure. And, um, and so I love it, but, and there was something really, really fun about, and I've never been this way with anything else, but there was something really fun about going to store to store to store and then finally finding one bottle of the hunt, the chase. Yeah. That was a blast. I do that. We own, I mean, I'm involved in three liquor stores. If I drive by a liquor store, I go in it. Really? Um, for one, for market research, but I'm also looking for that unicorn, they call it. Yeah. Um, you know, where is that, that one bottle of, like you found, Russell's Reserve 13, that someone missed on their last time hunting? Hmm. And is it at a good price? Yeah. You know, something I'm never going to find elsewhere. And occasionally you will find that unicorn or that hidden gem. Um, but hmm. for me, I luckily have good access to, to bourbon. So it's yeah. a little market research. And also I'm doing some hunting myself. Right. Hey, you can't just call up a rep and say, hey, I, I want that bottle of whatever. I do want that bottle of <laughs> Russell's Reserve 13. Um, <laughs> but no, I can't. I mean, we yeah. got allocated a certain amount of bottles. You know, mm. We have a customer loyalty program we do. Yeah. So we, we sell it you know, to our, our good customers. Yeah. Um, so there's not always that opportunity for even myself to, you know, say, hey, let's crack that and enjoy it and see if, uh, if I like it, I'll get another. Right. Because, you know, we get our allotment and that's it. Hmm. Um, how they do the allotment's different with every company. But uh, for the most part, we do get decent allocations, which does allow me to have the opportunity to try uh, a lot of the bottles. But still, there's always, you know, at this point, it's a hobby. Now I have a collection. Hmm. Yeah. More than I could ever imagine drinking. Right. But, you know, it's like some people collect baseball cards or Pokemon cards or whatever. Yeah. The, you know, who, who knows? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people collect bourbon. Yeah. The thing with bourbon, well, I guess as a bourbon collector, I'm sure as a true collector, you're you're opening and enjoying those bottles. Like you're, I'd imagine, I'm sure you have some unopened stuff, but, um, <clears throat> you know, like I don't want to open that bottle of Russell's Reserve. I would have sit there and try to flip it, right? Or sit there and let it sit for a couple of years and wait for a special occasion. Um, but you know, it's, I bought a NFT, uh, like a, a V friend right, series right. two. Right. And, uh, so it's an investment for some people without a doubt. I mean, V friend series one exploded, you know, you bought those for a couple hundred dollars. They're worth, you know, a hundred thousand at their height. Um, should have bought one. Yeah. That's why I bought the series two. Mm-hmm. I was like, making, you know, I was made sure. And I spent 1500 bucks on it and pretty much the next week <laughs> it plummeted. the crypto market and everything crashed with it. And, and then I think of like Unplugged Gaming and Manlist. I mean, they just went out of business where literally this time last year they were expanding because that Pokemon whole card trading card game was exploding. Yeah, apparently, apparently my cards aren't worth anything. So yeah. who would have thought? <laughs> I tried. Um, but... It's not the same. I mean, obviously, we're in a boom. I'm assuming we're still in the boom of bourbon. But even if it, even if it goes down, uh, even if it crashes tomorrow, there's still something you can open and drink. Yeah. So for me as a collector, you know, especially being in the business, you know, I'm, I'm getting these bottles to enjoy and taste, to be able to talk about them with customers. You know, did you like them? Did you not like them? How's it compared to this? Other people, it's simply an investment. Um, where, and I, I follow on Facebook all the time. It's good market research for me, um, where the market, you know, just like the stock market goes up, goes down, 
as we approach to the holidays and the Van Winkles will release soon, the market's going to be like peak high, mm. you know, Christmas presents, yeah. holiday presents, people, this is when the market spikes again mm. um, in the bourbon world. Yeah. Uh, but for some people, you know, they post pictures and there's a hundred bottles and none of them are open and everyone in the comment thread, well, do you ever drink? You know, what are you doing? And they're harassing this person because they have this wonderful, you know, thousand dollar thousands of dollars collection and they've never enjoyed yeah um i don't necessarily get that i know i also don't do the hunting or the spending that other people do so it's hard for me to relate on that matter because luckily being involved in you know the three liquor stores i have access to these bourbons Mm -hmm. a little bit differently than other people um Mm. but for me, and I, I used to collect shoes. I compare a good bottle of bourbon to a nice pair of shoes. What's it worth if you're, you know, for, if you're never going to wear them? Right. You know, you got a nice pair of shoes, but if you never wear them, who yeah. cares? Um, you got a nice bottle of bourbon, and you don't know what it tastes like. Mm-hmm. That I don't get. You yeah. know, if you have a backup, you want to save, makes sense. But you went out ten different liquor stores. You got this holy grail of bourbon. <laughs> if you're into bourbon, I would assume you want to. What the hell does this taste like? Right. Um, is it good? Is it bad? Hopefully you like it because if you open it and you don't, <laughs> one, there goes your investment. Two, you're stuck with a crappy bottle of whiskey now. You're like, oh, oh shit. Yeah. Um, so there's different levels of collectors in the bourbon world right now, very much so. And hmm. some people solely for a side gig to yeah. make extra money. Some people because they enjoy whiskey and a little. Some people, you know, merge those two together and. You know, and uh, that's the that's the the bourbon world right now, and yeah. that's that's also a reason for the skyrocket in uh, pricing and how things are hard to find. Yeah, so everyone's hunting. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I got that, and then quickly realized, you know, all the issues with trying to unload it. Um, a friend said, "Oh, I have a buddy in Chicago who's really into bourbon. He's been looking for that. Let me text him." And uh, so hypothetically, I told him I wanted, uh, like he was texting, my buddy was texting his friend in Chicago right there. He's like, what do you want for it? And I was like, 250 And uh, Sold. And he said, he's like, no, he's like, the minimum is 350 And I was like, okay. And he said, but I'm going to wait. They're, the allocations are coming to Chicago in two weeks anyways. I'm just going to try and find a bottle then. And I think that's a, I think I'm sure that's a big part. I'm sure, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's people who are like, they want the easiest way to get the bottle and the easiest way to unload it. But I think probably a bigger, a bigger part of it is the hunt. The the hunt for sure. I mean, and I get it. There's money to be made on these. You know, we you said we sell a bottle of Van Winkle to our good customers for for two hundred bucks. They can sell it for fifteen hundred. Like crazy. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Like I get it. Um, and then there's people that look down upon the the flippers of the world and people that will literally go. They'll follow the trucks. Yeah. And that's that's huh. one of the main reasons that's I wild. started our whiskey program, our customer loyalty program, to avoid the flippers, to avoid the cherry pickers. Yeah. That are they don't shop with us anytime throughout the year. Hmm. They call me the day Van Winkle release and say, <laughs> Hey, what do you have for me? And man, I excuse me. No, you're fine. I, I haven't seen you all year and you want me to sell you our most highly anticipated bottle. <laughs> and if I sell you for too much, you're gonna be mad at me. <laughs> And you're going to go make money on it. Like, this doesn't make sense to me, but clearly yeah. I'm in the wrong somehow. Right. Um, so the secondary market's a very interesting thing right now, and it's all derived from Facebook, social media. There's all these private groups where hmm. I could show. I mean, I, I watch it a lot because it's good market research for me, and it yeah. helps me price my bottles. But hmm. you could take that bottle. We could sign you up right now if you have a Facebook account. You can get added to one of the groups. You post a picture. That's wild. For trade, Russell's Reserve 13, in search of $500. <laughs> the first person to type B-I-N, bin, yeah. gets the bottle. Um, and it's all trust, word of mouth. Yeah. You just have to, you know, this guy's going to pay you. He's going to Venmo you. He's going to PayPal you all illegally. Yeah. And he's going to trust that you ship it to him right. illegally. Um, but these groups have been going on for many years. There's backup groups. Mm. There's backup groups to the backup groups. Um and there's people that will follow our truck, buy as much E.H. Taylor and 
whatever they can find and go home and po- they'll post it on Facebook in their car. Hmm. They call it the, the crotch shot. Yeah. The bottle, holding it in your car, a steering wheel. Yeah. And it's sold before they get home. How do you feel about that? About like the people that are flipping it for profit? Um, tough because... You know, you buy a bottle of hunt, a hunt for a hundred dollars. You sell it for, you know, that's a lot of money. I get it. Yeah. You know, like everyone has, well, not everyone, but some people have side gigs and they're right. hustling, and you know, they got to make money. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, and I can't control it in terms of the store. Right. I try to, but there's not, there's only, you know, I put a bottle on the shelf, the customer comes in and buys it. I can't control what he or she does once they leave the store. Are there many though, like uh, shelf? I mean. Because of the program, which I love, by the way, um, the because of the program, you're not really putting a lot of those bottles out on the shelf. Yes and no. Um, I mean, I guess you have to really know what you're looking for. Yeah, and that's why I watch the secondary market so much, just to see you know what's trending right now, what's hot today, what's going to be hot next week. Um, and that, honestly, by watching these groups is what helps me determine, is this going to go on the shelf? What price is this going to go on the shelf? Where am I going to find that happy medium price that isn't going to piss off one of my customers, but also not allow a flipper to come in and yeah. get the bottle and make you know double the profits I made? Um, I don't, I don't love it. Yeah. Um, especially, it's you know everyone's going to. I know I've sold a bottle one or two over the years mm-hmm. um, when I needed money. You yeah. know, just like anyone else, my. One buddy, he has a reserve stash. He goes, what if my water heater breaks? <laughs> you know, I need, you know, and, and a, an emergency stash. I get. Yeah. Um, it's the the one, it's the guys that are going to come in, they see a good buy, and they buy, buy all six of them. Mm. That pisses me off. Yeah. Not only did you just, you know, I, I had a special bourbon I wanted to share with our customer, sell to my customers. Yeah. Um, you just ruined the opportunity for everyone else to try that bottle, and now you're making the money, you know, more money than, you right. know, if that was the case, I would have, I would have triple marked it up and, you yeah. know, you would have bought one and that would have been it. And then other people would have got it, but it's more, more so that I think that bothers me. Yeah. Um, you don't see this. I mean, or I guess, do you see it in any other spirit besides bourbon? Maybe a little scotch, like you mentioned, but I mean, you're not seeing no, this with gin or vodka or. No, at least not, not in groups that I'm involved in or, or follow that I know of. You know, Scotch, Scotch, I want to say, is a much older clientele. Mm-hmm. Um, whether there's truth to that or not, I, that's my opinion. Uh, as the bourbon category has exploded, you know, I feel like the Scotch and Irish whiskey categories have decreased. There's a bottle here or there in, in each category that you'll see. Mm-hmm. Some of the Macallans you'll see in the secondary markets. Um, a bottle of Redbreast here and there, but mm. even the bottle, the Redbreast 27, one of the Best whiskeys I've ever tasted in my life. Buy it in the store for five fifty. It's on secondary for six hundred. Hmm. There's not that. Yeah. You know anyone who's doing that? I mean, God bless. Right. That's a big investment to <laughs> to risk to make yeah. fifty bucks off. Of. Um, there's not the huge margins that there is in bourbon. You know, yeah. I've I've seen it with a bottle of tequila, one hmm. brand in particular. But yeah, that makes sense. But no, not I wouldn't. Not that I'm aware of, at least. Definitely yeah. not gin or vodka that I've seen. Yeah. I, um, I've i always been in, more into scotch for some reason up until recently. And I, I've, I don't know why. I forget if it was somebody who just like mentioned it one time or said it, but I used to just always drink Glen Levitt 12. Uh, I think it was a 12-year. And then I think it was a 12-year. And then one time for a special vacation I bought, I think it was the 18-year maybe. Or maybe I'm, yeah, I think that's correct. It was they, like, they have them all. Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was like a $200 bottle. And side by side, I could not honestly tell you the difference between the 12 and the 18, uh, besides the $100 and the cost. I recommend you drink the 12 then. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and that was the last bottle of Glenlivet I bought. But if I do buy it again, it'll be the 12 year. So I, I say it all, all the time in, in the store. You know, you can spend whatever you want on these whiskeys. It's all yeah. about finding a good value. Yeah. And if if you don't quite have the palate for it, I mean, if you poured me a twelve and eighteen side by side blind, hopefully I'd be able to tell the difference. I don't drink enough scotch where I could. Yeah. Stamp it. You know, this is that, and this is that. Um, with some of the bourbons, I think there is a noticeable difference. I tasted a customer on the Van Winkle Ten this morning, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a bottle share the other night and I had a 
mm. two sips left, and he's never had it. Mm. I said, it's good, right? He goes, yeah. <laughs> I'm not what I was expecting. I'm like, what were you expecting? You know, it's, this is a, it's a bottle of whiskey, just like anything else here. It's not gold. You know, it's, <laughs> it's good, but, and, I, and we had the conversation. Is it 20 times better than this? Right. No. Just because the market says it is or because it's more expensive doesn't mean it's, yeah. it's that much better. And, uh, you know, and some people might argue that it is, but at the end of the day, it's 10-year-old whiskey. Yeah. I get that more with champagne of all, you know, like, I mean, I've had cheap champagne and I've had really expensive champagne and, and you know, ob- you can look at one or the other and tell which one is nicer, obviously. But uh, to me, you can also taste that difference. Like, if I open that bottle of Russell's Reserve, I don't know if I could take a similar proof and be able to tell the difference or appreciate the difference. Um, but yeah, I mean, I bought, we, when, I, when I proposed to my wife, I, I bought a bottle of uh, Cristal from 2005, which was like a great year. Mm-hmm. And uh, from what I was told, at least, who the hell knows, it was like one of the last bottles in Syracuse of that. And it was a phenomenal bottle of champagne. I mean, nothing, I don't think anything's ever gone down easier than that bottle of champagne. And it feels good too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it felt really good. It was worth it, you know, for the money I paid for. Good it. value. Yeah, you know, you you bought something, a premium option in a category. You enjoyed it far superior than than the others. Mm-hmm. You drink that Russell's Reserve thirteen next to Wild Turkey eighty one. You're yeah. going to taste the difference for sure. Um, you drink that next to something like you said, similar in proof. Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, and you know that's the that's the power of marketing with these guys. Mm-hmm. It's allocated. Yeah. So it's supposed to, you know, taste like gold. And I've had customers come in and she goes, you know, I bought this $50 bottle of Cabernet last night, but it didn't taste like a $50 bottle of Cab. And I looked at her and said, what's a $50 Cab supposed to taste? Like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. it was, it's a smaller production. It's done on a, you know, in Napa's super expensive land. Like all of these things come into cost. Quality hopefully follows, but not necessarily. Yeah. Um, so you, and you, you got to find the good, you got to find the good, the good buys. Yeah. And there are not good buys out there, but for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, not to knock them because I, I'm, I'm sure somebody from the group will listen to this, but like the blue note bottle, like the barrel pick, I am not a fan of that whatsoever. I don't know what it is, uh, but it's drinking it neat. Uh, it just has like this really weird to me, at least it's really odd texture almost. It's like, I don't know, oily. Um, and I mean, I've, so now I, it's at the house. I only drink it as a Manhattan at the house and it's fine. Um, but I could say that's probably like my least favorite. And I don't, besides that, and I don't know what's so different about it. You know, I want to look and I want to say, oh, it's from Memphis. That's why. But, uh, you know, but I'm sure that has it's, nothing to do it's with It's Kentucky it. bourbon. Is it, it says Memphis on it. It's juke <laughs> joint, Memphis, Tennessee. It's Kentucky bourbon all the way. That's hilarious. Um, but, you know, and that's. <laughs> and to me, that's, I kind of scratch my head a lot of times at the store because we're not experts of the field. Right, yeah. Um, some people are just beginning with whiskeys. And, you know, you, you drank that Blue Note a week ago. Mm-hmm. Go home and try it tonight. It's going to taste totally different. Yeah. It is. And, it, you know, especially, and this is what I love about people's tasting notes and <laughs> this and that. And, you know, what did you eat that day? Right. I drank coffee all morning. Yeah. My palate is not the same right now as it's going to be in five hours from now as it's going to be tomorrow. And all right. of these things, you have spicy food, uh, you know, all of these things. Did you smoke a cigar today? Like all of these things play into a role of what you're going to taste. Yeah. Um, and that's, to me, the fun, but also like kind of I, I, I laugh a little bit with, yeah. you know, you get caramel today, tomorrow it tastes like tobacco. Like, right. sure. That's what you taste. Your palate's different than mine. Um, you know, you got a, a thicker, uh, oily viscosity. You know, sometimes it, it might be tannic and, you know, mm-hmm. dry your mouth out. Really depending on, you know, where's your palate today? Yeah. What did you eat? Chewing gum? You know, all these things play a factor. Um, and right. whiskey does open up. That's why I say try it tonight. Like, yeah. you know, the neck pour, mm-hmm. they say, mm-hmm. is, you know, right when you open a bottle, the first sip, it's tight. Ah. Um, similar to wine, hmm. different science ways but you know whiskey does open up and evolve over time hmm. um so i encourage you try yeah. it tonight and you know see if it if it does taste different or, or add a drop of water and you might find yeah 
you'll find you know a flavor pro- profile you were looking for, yeah. perhaps, or yeah. maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. Um, so, I mean, uh, when it comes to like like the uh, Syracuse Bourbon Society, which is a great Facebook group, and if you're listening to this, you should go and join it uh, if you're getting into bourbons. Uh, you know, they're doing. I'm surprised to see how many different barrel picks that they do. So, and only because I'm curious. I'm gonna. It's gonna be a follow up question, but. Uh, how does that work? Do they come to you and say, "We do you have a barrel pick on the way because we want to do something for the crew?" And you know, I mean, they're obviously not going to the distillery like you would and selecting a barrel. Um, as much as I think they would probably like to do that, fun experience, and they, yeah. I'm sure they will have the opportunity to do that down the road. Um, Chris, good guy. He's in he's in charge of the group. Uh, him and a few others that I think he's um, promoted up within the group to help him kind of run the whole thing. Uh, they've really just involved, uh, evolved over time where it was simply a, a, an area for people to talk bourbon. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of these groups throughout the nation, throughout the country who are doing these, you know, barrel picks. And if you get a big enough following, you can, you know, buy a barrel and hopefully sell it to the people that are within your group who share, you know, uh, like interest to you. Um, there's a few thousand barrel or bottles in a barrel, right? Like two or three? A uh, hundred. Oh, there's only hundred. Yeah, so uh, yeah. every barrel is different. Um, we've had uh, I've had barrel of Penelope this spring that yielded a hundred hundred and ten bottles. Mm. Uh, this most recent barrel yielded double that mm. for whatever reason. You know, yeah. spillage, evaporation, age, proof, all those things come into play. But the guys at Syracuse Bourbon Society, they you know, I think they've been. This is something they've been wanting to do for a while. Is Let's let's team up with a you know partner with the store or or a, a local distiller, and let's do a barrel and see if we can you know offer it to our group. Hmm. And they've had some success for sure. I think they've he's uh, the, Chris and the team over there. Then we've done two barrels with them this year, and I think they just really started this spring. I think I think we did the first one, one of the first ones with them with a three cord honey. Hmm. Finish that was quite delicious, a little bit sweet, something totally different. So, is the blue note something that you were going to be bringing in no matter what? No, we so our Pascal Liquors, we did our own blue note barrel in oh, the spring, okay. um, which we had great success with. People loved it, and I brought I brought it to their attention. You know, this is a great opportunity mm-hmm. for me, great opportunity for them. The more you know, for me, branding, marketing. Yeah, let's get my name out there. Let's let's link up with you know, let's partner with the Syracuse Bourbon Society group. We'll all, all facilitate the samples. We'll get their team in. They'll say, they'll taste them, see which ones they like, and I, you know, you guys get final say. You're putting your name on it. I'm gonna sell it. Yeah. But in, in my eyes, you know, running a business, if I can bring in a barrel on Tuesday that's sold by Friday, mm-hmm. that's a good business plan. You yeah. know, it's 200 bottles out the door, sold before I have to pay for it. That's a goal for yeah. sure. That's great. Um, not every barrel works that way, but yeah. that would be ideal. Yeah. Um, I, you see a lot of companies like that have zero business being in bourbon all, or whiskey or spirits in general. Now all of a sudden branding, like they're, they're going to work with, and I, I won't say, you know, that's a poor follow up to, you know, this person or this company as an example, I'm not saying that he has no business being in the spirits business, but like weekday bourbon or weekday whiskey, um, Josh, I think it is right. Josh. So, you know, partnering with the place in Phoenix. So, um, and then you see like big comedians, you know, bodega cat, you yeah. know, Mark Norman and what's his face that just launched a whiskey, uh, or a bourbon, you know, and not to mention the celebrity tequilas. Tequila is the, the main category right now. Yeah. Um, you know, to, uh, backtrack a little bit to, to Josh at weekday. You know, we carried their product for a while. It's a great idea. Yeah. Cool idea. Not someone that, you know, and I don't know him very well that knows yeah. a ton about whiskey. Just, you know, let's buy something, slap my label on it. And I remember, you know, when we were working with him, I said, you know, let's let's do a tasting. Let's promote this. You know, let's get behind it. You know, come into our store, host a tasting. And he wanted they wanted us to pay him, pay them to do it. <laughs> I'm like, what, what do you, what, what do you mean? Like, we're carrying your brand. Yeah. We're, don't you want to promote this brand? Like, <laughs> I'm not paying you. This is something you should offer. Yeah. And just from the history of doing business with every company ever, right. this is what they do. Yeah, you know, they 
hire a, a taster and they, they come and they taste their brand because they want to see their brand sell. So that ended, unfortunately, our relationship with the <laughs> brand weekday. Um, and that's just simply someone who is inexperienced in the field. Yeah. You know, nothing right. against him at, at all. Right. It's just someone who wanted to try to dabble in whiskey and just doesn't quite understand the business of it. Yeah. Um, decent whiskey at the end of the day, but there's more to that. In, yeah. You know, especially in a retail shop, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'd imagine in this world, you're the bell of the ball. It's not the brand. Right. I mean, I've had a few local distilleries tell me they were doing us a favor. And <laughs> I'm just like, guys, you just really aren't understanding this industry. I have 3,000 SKUs in this store. I don't have to carry your SKU. There is no one knocking down our door saying, where is this item, you know? If you don't carry it, we're going to go somewhere else. No, if we don't carry it, they're going to buy something else. Yeah. Um, and that's just simply understanding the business, which some of our local distillers just don't quite get yet, which is fine. And yeah. you know, hopefully with time, they'll understand how things work and they'll adapt just like we all adapt. Um, is there a bourbon? Um, well, actually, before we get into that, I w- let's let's pop open the Elijah Okay. Um, finish my Buffalo Trace. Awesome. Awesome bottle. By I know. The way. I've yeah. I've 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 had this a few different ways. Um, oh, this is only ninety four proof. Um, perfect. Yeah, that is perfect. Um, so I've had this a few different ways. I've I've made a few cocktails. My my favorite um, Gold Rush. Uh, my favorite drink that just, I've made. just a little. Yeah. I got to go back to work today. Um, well, this is work, right? That, yeah. Is that good? You want more? A little more. A little more. Um, there we go. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, I did a drunk podcast once with uh, Kyle and Jesse from Kasai. Cheers. Love that ramen. We, um, we went down to, uh, where did we go? We went to Now and Later and had nice. a few beers, and we went to Blarney and got nice. a burger and had more beer, and then we came here and drank at like 11 midnight, did a podcast for like two and a half hours, and I can never release it to the public. <laughs> Totally different yeah. than the Buffalo Trace. I don't know if it's just that. I mean, I can't imagine there's a massive difference between a 90 and a 94, but this just has like a little bit of that. The Buffalo Trace goes down a lot smoother. Um, this not is, a lot smoother. This is older. Yeah, okay. We're getting more of that oak for sure. Okay. Um, proofs definitely help, you know, differentiate whiskeys, but th- I bet you the main difference between these two is the mash bill. Okay. Uh, Mashville and age. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, some people can tell you exactly what's in this 72% corn, 18% rye. Yeah. You know, and they know, uh, they, they know those by heart. I don't. My yeah. guess is 99%, hundred percent. They're different mash bills, different percentages of rye in both of them. Um, proofs are slightly different, but this is definitely older. Yeah. And I think we are pulling some of that, that oak. What where does that what distillery does Elijah Craig come Elijah from? Craig's done at uh, Heaven Hill. Okay. And they you think Buffalo Trace has their hand in a lot. Yeah. I've they seen, are I've equally as big if uh, probably bigger. Yeah. Um we worked with Heaven Hill just when we did the Deep Eddies thing mm-hmm. uh, earlier this year. And um yeah, it's wild to think. I mean, was that is that is that more out of Heaven Hill? starts and develops all these brands or is this more like a effort isn't it santori that santori. Jim Beam? Um, is it more of a company that just comes out and buys up all the small ones these guys buy up all the small ones okay uh sazerac is the head uh, you know owns buffalo trace they own bartons they own fireball they own hmm. half of you know Everything. our shelf space i mean heaven hills right there with them though yeah um I say Heaven Hill does a better job of developing brands. Okay. When Sazerac Company buys yeah. everything and anything and then brings them to the top, yeah. if that makes sense. I think they do a lot of stuff from within. It's, I mean, they're buying brands left and right as, as well. I mean, they, they all are. Um, but mm. these guys are uh, responsible for Evan Williams. Mm. Uh, what else? Elijah Craig. I mean, Evan Williams has... Yeah, ten different options. Um, what else is Heaven Hill doing? I'm drawing a blank right now. They own a lot. So Black Velvet, a lot. Yeah, well, like, I'm, I'm thinking of like the different expressions of a of a 
whatever. Uh, brew, you know, distill it. Distill. Yeah, distillery, yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but the different expressions of a four-year, a five-year, a six-year, nine-year, whatever, all the way up to however long, mm-hmm. single bear, all that kind of stuff. Um, so if you've got one whatever. Elijah Craig. Yeah. And you've got 12 different expressions of that one. Elijah Craig. Yeah. Um, do you ever get, is it, is it a thing for people to say, hey, I want to try all 12 expressions? Yeah. So I guess Four, four Roses is probably a good example. The Four Roses brand does, and I'm not, well, I say I'm not a Four Roses guru, but I really enjoy their juice. They have three everyday items, small batch, small batch select, single barrel. Okay. And then within their single barrel line, they have eight, ten different recipes hmm. that's all coded, O, B, S, V, O, E, S, Q, hmm. O, E, and O, Bs. Hmm. And there's four or five of ten total, eight or ten, I don't know. I don't, I don't have them memorized like yeah. some of my customers do. <laughs> um, and within these, let's say, ten, ten different recipes, different age statements, um, different proofs, you know, people go nuts for them. They want to try them all. Yeah. Um, I took a picture at home the other night. I'm missing like three of them. <laughs> um, I want to try them all. And they are, and my dad comes over and goes, why do you have all these four roses on the table? And aren't they all the same? Like, no, they're, they're all different. It was all that's just marketing. Like, no, they're different yeasts, different, different mm. mash bills. Like they are different. Yeah. Um, and it is fun to compare them and try them side by side and see which one do I like better today. Mm-hmm. I know tomorrow I'm going to taste something different. Yeah. Um, so I find joy in trying them all and, and comparing them, um, hmm. but also just drinking them is yeah. fine too. All right. <laughs> so how many bottles do you have in your collection? Hmm. O- open? I counted the other day. I have yeah. at home just over 150 open. Wow. Um, closed... That's at my house. I, I make sure to keep them scattered. My in-laws, <laughs> my brother-in-laws, my parents' house. You know, just make sure there's yeah. the lake, a good port, anywhere <laughs> we go. Um, is that what you're drinking primarily is just bourbon? Or are you typically having a, a cocktail of some I sort? I don't discriminate, man. Yeah. I, someone, you know, my wife, she really likes red wine. She likes, well, she likes wine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> white wine, red wine. So I, I'll typically taste... You know, whatever she's opening and enjoying, I'll make sure to taste it because I'm sure it's something we sell and just helps refresh my, you know, memory palate. Um, With food, you know, with my family, we drink wine. I always grew grew up drinking wine. Yeah. Um, At home, I'm lazy. So, like, the idea of cocktails is always fun. Yeah. I make the occasional Negroni or I do Negroni 10 different ways, tequila, mezcal, Hmm. gin, whiskey, Boulevardier, it's called. Yeah. Yeah. have you been selling a shit ton of Prosecco lately? Uh, it, it, we're about to. Yeah. Um, Aperol Spritz was like skyrocketed overnight. Uh, yeah. So we've done a ton of, we've sort of sold more Aperol in the past year than we have in 10 years. Wow. Um, that uh, complements a yeah. sparkling wine. So um, that Prosecco, I'm, I'm, actually, I have to come in and get a bottle of Prosecco because of that TikTok clip of that interview. Have you seen that? No, I'm, you know, I try. I'm on social media because of work. I'm gonna pull this up to show. I you. wish I wasn't on it as much as I am. It is good market research, and I do find benefits. But my wife's like staring at your phone. You're saying, <laughs> and I do, and it's. I wish I didn't. This is an interview uh, that HBO put out of uh, a TikTok sales man. People come in and say, I saw this recipe on TikTok. I gotta have it. That video, I wonder how many times. What is that? that? A Negroni with Prosecco? Yeah, Negroni Spegliato, which is just a Negroni with Prosecco. But that sounds nice. Actually. Then she says Prosecco in it at the end. And uh, so there's been TikToks of people making fun of her, like, it, it, you know, that is Prosecco. But, anyways, that's like, that's the trend right now on TikTok is that video. So I'm going to put one out and. Now, all of a sudden, Serious Eats and all Eater and all these people are putting out the blogs about it and all that kind of stuff. We, so. we get introduced to products. 
through TikTok, you know, yeah. before they even hit our market. Like, hey, have you seen this? Do you have this yet? And I'll go, no, never heard of it. You know, two weeks later, we get presented that item. I'm like, oh, hmm. bring it in. It was on TikTok. You know, we got to <laughs> carry it now. Uh, you know, the power of press, social media, it, it works. It definitely drives sales. Yeah. Um, you know. So there's two last questions. Well, three th- last questions. Uh, okay, cool. Um, have you ever thought about creating your own, like making your own brand? Uh, up until recently, well, no, up until recently. Yeah. We were down, quick story, we were down in Newark, New Jersey, <laughs> the hood in Newark. It was like we're driving around. Like, what been there, the hell yeah. are we doing here? Um, and then we pull up into Penelope yeah. Warehouse. It, well, not a warehouse. It was, uh, we park the car, we get out, and they say, hey, come look at our, you know, in Kentucky, they have rick houses bigger than this factory. Yeah. Um, and theirs was a moving container, hmm. a, 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 a truck moving container. They open the door and they go, here's our warehouse. There were 60 barrels inside, and I, I counted shit. them. I have a picture. You can count every barrel in there. 60, and then the, in the moving container next to it were their empty barrels, and then they had a small little facility where they were doing their blending and um, mm. bottling and it was super small. And I'm like, uh, you know, as we left, I looked at the guys. It's like, oh, like we could do this. You know, like we have more space than this. You know, we just need a million dollars. But besides that, we could do this. Yeah. You know, they contract with MGP, which is uh, a distillery in Indiana that simply sells barrels. And mm. uh, they get truckloads of barrels from Indiana and they – bottle them, blend them, slap their label on them, and now they're all over the country and they're making a killing. Um, Penelope's main thing is in Newark, New, Newark, New Jersey. We went down last month. We Holy got two shit. barrel picks coming. They're going to be phenomenal. I'm very excited for them. I saw you posting about some of the bottles that are in now. Yeah. It's um, Penelope is a brand that uh, this guy Michael and a few of his partners created five years ago, and he literally just... That's wild. Bought a few barrels from, and that's what Smoke Wagon did. He bought yeah. barrels from Indiana, slapped them in a cool bottle, cool label, put his name on it. Um, so up until recently, it was never yeah. a thought of mine. But after leaving Penelope, it kind of inspired me. Like, this is not a large space. Yeah. I mean, he does have, you know, obviously there's a big investment here. Right. Barrels aren't cheap. Equipment's not cheap. But at the end of the day, like, they can do that in this place. Like, yeah, we could do this. I know, um, you know, I know like the, the fluctuation in elements and temperatures can help a lot with that aging process. Um, I wonder what that would be like in upstate, you know, in a truly, you know. Uh, I don't know. Because. I mean, there's obviously places doing it, but. In, I'd be curious. It's, I don't think it means uh, so much be our climate more as, you know, the barrels. Yeah. Where are we going to get our barrels? Because um, yeah. oak is, they say 80% of your flavor. Yeah. Don't quote me on that number. But the majority of your flavor in these bottles comes from the, the barrel and the aging process. Um, Kentucky, obviously, it's really hot in the summer. And, you know, they don't have the extremes that we do in the yeah. winter. But it's not, you know, it's cold down there in the yeah, winter sure. still. Um, you know, Scotland, for example, they have one climate, yeah. for, you know, all year round. And... Because of that lack of variation, you know, you'll see scotches for mm-hmm. 18 years, you know, age 18 years, age, when you go to the bourbon category, there's no bourbons on our shelf age 18 years. Yeah. There's too much fluctuation in our climate where you'd pull too much from the barrel and it wouldn't taste good. What is um, the longest, like a 12? Which still, you, you, we don't have many of those on the shelf. A few 12, 10, Russell's Reserve, they're yeah. every day's 10 years, Knob Creek's nine years. I'd say that the sweet spot's six to eight. Somewhere yeah. in there, most stuff on the shelf. Hmm. Um, but you know, talking about all these new distilleries, they're all releasing four-year, four-year distillate, five-year distillate. Yeah. So it's it ranges. Um, it's a question of how much patience you have. Yeah. Because that's a big investment to sit on for eight years before you have a return. I wonder. I mean, I don't know. Who knows what the world's what the the market's going to be like? And I, I won't say that. I think that the probably the global or internet or the national market for a big brand push for a spirit has probably climaxed, I think. Um, but say that again, I think that the market for a global celebrity or big brand push for their own new brand of spirit has probably climaxed. And I think so tequila. Yeah. 
And I think that, um, I mean, there's still, listen, if, if you have an audience, if you have an audience, you can sell whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You can start whatever you want, almost whenever you want, and be able to push it. And, um, and you know, there's nothing new about that. Because uh, I think today we're, what we're realizing is the smaller, um, the smaller people with a smaller influence are starting to realize, oh, wait, I can do the same thing. They haven't figured out yet that they should only focus regionally. A lot of them think, I'm going to start my own and be, you know, whatever, Casamigos, whatever the fuck it's going to be. So um, that was the one curse word. Now I have to make I was doing episode. good. You just ruined it. I was going to make that. I was thinking, like, this whole time I'm thinking, this is going to be the first clean episode. I, 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 I had that in the back. I <laughs> talk like a pirate, man. I was, I was doing good. You blew it. I'm going to have to bleep that one out. Um, so not a lot of, I don't think the small ones have realized that they don't have the, re, like, if you can, if you can build your following in the area, we're, I mean, local New York, my following is Syracuse and central mm-hmm. New York. If I launch something in Buffalo tomorrow, I'm not going to do anything. If I launch something in Syracuse tomorrow, I'm still not going to do anything. It's going to be a little bit better than Buffalo. Um, and so I, I think probably again, nationally that's hit its peak regionally, I think smaller brands and backwards markets like ours are just starting to realize this. And I'm sure we're going to see a, a big uptick in the next couple of years, assuming the economy doesn't crash everybody's hopes and dreams. Um, assuming. Yeah, which that's a wrong yeah. assumption. But, um, uh, if that does happen, just come to the liquor store, drink your sorrows away, <laughs> we'll be open. Um, so, well... Uh, but it, I want to get, I, I've thought about that. You know, I think of like the big podcasts, like, you know, the Nelk Boys and the Full Send podcast and mm-hmm. Happy Dad Seltzer and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And, um, got to start somewhere. Yeah. I just start, I've always been talking to a, a, a buried acorn about doing a beer collab. And, um, and now I think, and I just clicked the other day, I was like, this shouldn't just be like a buried ache, like a beer collab with Eat Local New York, and it looks like a, it should be like an Eat Local New York thing. It should be as much Eat Local New York as I can without needing my own license, uh, and then just push the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, so. And there's a Irish whiskey brand from Ireland who hit this market, you know, full steam ahead. And they tried partnering with, you know, how do they capitalize this market here in, in Syracuse? They yeah. tried uh, partnering with Middle Ages. Mm. It's like, oh, yeah. it's brilliant, you know. Start within our community, and then from there, go. you can, you know, go elsewhere. And unfortunately, it never panned out just due to container issues going back from Ireland to here. It was about a year ago, end of COVID. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to your point, you, you know, got to start somewhere and stick with your regional you know, expertise, I'd say. Yeah. All right. So from uh, asking a bourbon expert, uh, what's the one bottle of bourbon you think everyone should try? Hmm. One bottle that you can get? Yes, that you can get. Um, <laughs> I need a minute. Caught me off guard with that one. <laughs> Honestly, man, right here. Really? Elijah Craig. This is on the shelf. You can find this anywhere. Hmm. $30. I know this is a barrel pick for us. So it's, we have a nine year pick. Actually, we just sold out of the nine year. We have a 10 year pick, $35. Hmm. 10 year uh, distilled by Elijah Craig. So it's authentic to them. Yeah. Uh, 94 proof. Great intro bourbon, but also. Good bourbon for anyone, for the expert bourbon drinkers that hmm. can, you know, drink only the expensive stuff. This is a bottle anyone can enjoy. Neat, on the rocks, in cocktails. It's high-quality stuff. It's a good value. It's accessible. Um, this, to me, is kind of the the standard hmm. of, of Kentucky bourbon. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites, one of the first whiskeys that got me into whiskey um, one bottle that I have at home at all times, hmm. $30 bottle. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Nick, thanks so much, man. I Thank you. you coming down, doing the podcast. I can talk bourbon all day, my friend, yeah. anytime. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, everybody who's listening and watching, uh, if you're out here in central New York, 
Make sure you get out to Pascal's Wines and Liquors in Fayetteville, Pascal's Liquors in Liverpool, and Pascal's Liquor Square on Erie Boulevard. You got that down pat. I do. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you. everybody thank you so much for listening to the Eat local new york podcast make sure that you subscribe to the podcast whatever platform you're listening to this on connect with us online on our website at eatlocalnewyork.com and don't forget to buy an eat local new york card all right thank you so much and thank you to our sponsors for some of our videos pascal's wines and liquors in fayetteville pascal's liquors in liverpool and pascal's liquor square uri boulevard in syracuse All right. Thanks, everybody. We're going to catch you back here next week for another episode of the Eat Local New York podcast.